Come on. Sick of being broke, living paycheck to paycheck, sick of sleepwalking through your days at a job where you're not engaged, check out Money Alignment Academy. It can help you get on track financially and become engaged in your work. The time is now. MoneyAlignmentAcademy.com The strong, the powerful, Jonathan Kaiser, the founder, thought leader behind Kaiser Co. is here on Money Savage Create. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Good to see you as always. It is awesome to see you. This is actually the first time we've ever done the Money Savage podcast in person, so that's pretty cool. So, Jonathan, if you would tell us a little bit about your personal life. Sure. Some more about what you're doing professionally and yep. the reason that you do it. Yeah. So I'm on a, on a mission. I want to save 5,000 miserable commercial real estate brokers who are trapped within companies and firms that have ruthless cutthroat cultures like I used to be in. And as we grow Kaiser into a billion dollar company that changes the world, we want to save 5,000 brokers. So that's what I'm up to. That's what motivates me. That's what gets me up in the morning. On the personal side, I'm happily remarried. Just got married earlier this year. Um, and I have four kids. And my wife and I are working on having one or two more. And the same look you're giving me right now is the same look that most people give me <laughs> as if I'm crazy, and I am. I'd have more. If she wanted to have four more, I'd be in. If she wanted to have 24 more, I'd be in. I just like having kids. I think, I think most people look at the inconvenience and the cost, and they, for, they, they in the short term forget about the long-term value of kids and family. And you know, most people, when they're older, are quite lonely. And I think a lot of that's because they didn't have as many kids as maybe they could have. Yeah. Um, but again everybody's got their own thing but for me being a dad is is the most inspiring thing in my life so I feel like I have a an alignment within my life that a lot of people don't have a lot of people hate one area of their life right they hate their job but they love their family or vice versa and for me as I've gone through this path I mean part of me and my ex-wife doing a conscious uncoupling where we decided to go different ways without making each other bad was this idea of alignment. It was like, what does she want in her life and what do I want in my life? And those were two different things. Same thing before I started the company. It was, I was at a place where we were out of alignment. I wanted a different direction than they wanted and neither was right or, or better. It's just two different things. And so systematically, we've been realigning my life. And I think if more people did that, had the courage to do that, I think they'd wake up on the other side and realize it actually wasn't as hard as they thought it would be. The, the scary monsters in the closet aren't really that big and that scary. Got it. Well, I appreciate that, man. Pleasure. So I think that, that we all have, I think that all, all people struggle with, with self-doubt and a million different, different things that, 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 that we do psychologically to screw ourselves up and the way that we talk to ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves. Um, have the potential to really limit us. And I wanted to hear about the way that you talk to yourself 
um, and and if you've learned to be better at that or just how that's how that's changed over the course of, of, of your life your career yeah well when I growing up I had a lot of negative self-talk and I would tell myself all the things I couldn't do and guess what those became true because I lived into those um, today on the other side of all that all that inner work I don't allow myself to talk to myself negatively so when I have a negative thought, I forgive myself for having that thought and I recreate what is true. In the mornings, the first thing I do as I roll out of bed and do my quick breathing, and then the first thing I do as I get ready to go work out is I do my I am statements. And those I am statements are my creation of who I am, who I decide I'm going to be, how I'm going to show up in the world. A lot of them are aspirational, right? They're not things that I'm necessarily already like when I, when I started this, I came up with I am pure service because my whole company is about changing the world through selfless service. And I remember my wife at the time was like, you are nowhere near pure service. And I go, I know, but I want to be. And so by saying pure service to myself over and over again, I started living into that reality. So I have a whole list of things that I go through every morning and then I do it before I go to bed as well um, to create myself so I can show up that way and live into that reality versus the normal. The other thing I don't do is I don't, I don't associate with negative people. Not that I dislike them, it's just I don't want that energy in my, in my world. So if I'm in a conversation and somebody starts griping and bitching, I just turn graciously, excuse myself, and I just walk away. I just refuse to be in those kind of conversations. And where those are the weirdest are in family environments, right? But even in those environments, I won't, I won't associate with it and I'll just quietly excuse myself and go do something else because I want to create positivity. One, one of the things we did within Kaiser early on is we did what we call a 30-day positivity challenge, which was not say anything negative for 30 days. And I thought I was already doing a pretty good job and it was amazing how much negative I was saying when I was consciously aware. And then my next phase was the 30-day the everything is a gift challenge. So I thought the next level of just being positive is looking for the good in the negative. And so after that, I started seeing the whole world as, okay, I get in an accident on the freeway. What are the three things about this that are good? My wife decides she doesn't want to be married to me anymore. What are the three good things about that? And all the hardest things, the things that I would normally complain about or that would be painful, I would constantly look to find things that were positive about them. And the crazy thing is, is because I do that, a lot more positive shows up in my world. Not that I still don't have plenty of things that other people call problems, but I just look at them as cool opportunities to learn how to be positive in any moment. How'd you figure this out? Well, a lot of hard work, right? One of the th principles here at Kaiser, principle 12, is we're 100% coachable, right? So what does coachable mean? Coachable means you assume that you don't have all the answers and that you're not always right. And so I have uh, an executive coach who I go to every Wednesday, and he helps me identify where my blind spots are. And any good coach will do that. They're not just gonna sit there and you know, make you feel good. It's like help you identify where you're stuck. And a lot of where you're stuck is places you don't even realize you're stuck because you don't have enough self-awareness because it's a blind spot. Um, reading good books is always a huge thing. Everybody talks about it. Very few people actually do it. You know, even, even when those forms, they say every CEO reads 50 books a year, I'm kind of like, that's what they may self-report. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. So if you're gonna if you're gonna really grow, you have to stand on the shoulders of giants. And then the other thing I like to do is I like to do 
unusual, crazy things that most people would never do. Like a nine day meditation uh, summit. I did one of those for, um, I like to try to do one of those per year. Hmm. Landmark forum or just anything that causes you to look within where you're outside of your normal environment and you can kind of work on yourself. Um, but everybody's path is different. And so, but it's, it's, it's more about being coachable, being open to feedback, um, looking at criticism as a gift versus instantly rejecting it, appreciating the people that are bold enough and willing to tell me the truth. I mean, that's one of the things I like about you is you just say what's true for you. And a lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people would rather give you the fake thing just so they don't offend you. And imagine most people surround themselves with the people that make them feel good. And since they don't like to hear things that don't make them feel good, that sound like criticisms, they reject those people. So all the people that would normally be giving you all the good feedback that would actually make you better, you reject. And all the people that lie to you, you embrace. And then you live in this little fake bubble, never improving, never getting better. And so I believe that the only way you actually improve is by letting that in. And so like, for example, I just did, did two keynotes on Tuesday. One was a thousand person conference, and the other one was like 150 CFOs. And my team, I have an intern, right? He's not even out of college yet. My intern comes up to me and goes, here's, you, here's what you could have done better. Here, here, and here. I mean, he wasn't afraid. He, was, he wasn't like, do you mind if I tell you something? It's like, and I was like, awesome. Yeah, actually, I agree. That was that. What else? No, that's about all I saw. Okay, well, you, when you see more, let me know. So it's that coachability. It's like, do you really want to get better or do you want to really protect this fragile thing you call I'm perfect and how dare you say I'm not perfect because that just hurts too bad. Is that like an inflection point right there where you're somebody who's you're somebody who's listening to this and you're you're 20 years old, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50 and you think, "You know what? I've been meaning to, I want to get to the next stage of my career, my whatever." And I think all this stuff makes sense. It's just I need to buy in and start doing it. What? You have to want it. I mean, for me, what makes me unique is I, to me, what would be the biggest failure is getting to the end of my life and saying, what if I would have just pushed a little harder? What if I would have just tried harder? What if, wh I heard this over the weekend. The biggest travesty in life would be meeting the person at the end of your life that you could have been. Mm. I don't want to do that. I, I want the person that I could have been to be me. I want it to be me looking in the mirror, right? Now, I myself realize that I'm a work in progress. So most people kind of get to a point where they figure they learned it all. Usually it's like in high school. Figure they got it all figured out. Their personality is set in stone, their beliefs are set in stone, and then they just live as robots for the rest of their lives. And only by challenging those deepest inner things and understanding your motivations, understanding why you do what you do, what you, how your belief structure feeds in, it's the only way you're really gonna ever grow. And, become, and the only way you can ever do what's possible in your life is by personal growth. Everything else is, you know, having money and being miserable is not, Success. Success is having your cake and eating it too. It's enjoying the process, enjoying the ride, having internal peace, and having the external things that look like success. And how often do you do you do you revisit and remind yourself of this stuff? Is are there things that you do every day, like a non-negotiable? Yeah, I mean for me doing my I am statements are non-negotiable. And then I take my kids to school in the morning. It's like my favorite thing to do. 
and they each have their own individual IMs that they've created for themselves and we have family IMs. So we do the family ones together and what we're committed to as a family. Then the kids do their individuals. How often? Every morning. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's actually better than that. So in the mornings, I'll get up, I'll do my IMs on the way to and from spin class. My kids get up and they do their workouts. So all my kids do a workout in the morning. And it's the basic stuff, push-ups, squats, pull-ups, sit-ups, lunges. My kids are strong, you know? They're strong and they don't get hurt because they take care of their bodies. And then on the way to school, we prepare their minds for the day. So I just think it's, it's like a miracle morning for kids. Um, and I think it's beautiful, right? And so if you don't have a routine in the morning, you're really missing out both from a breathing standpoint, from a creation of yourself, from meditation, from a workout. Um, and that's one area that I'm actually, you know, as I've found alignment in so many, I mean, I literally just got married a few months ago, right? And so my next big realignment is getting my body in the best shape that it's ever been. Um, so that's an exciting next phase for me. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, is it, tough to to get your kids on board with that because I'm sure that that there's days that they don't want to do it they're not feeling up to it it's not negotiable right but it's not heavy-handed either it's like it's not negotiable because I explained to them the importance of it and the value of it and they really do understand right and it's we identify areas like one of my sons is my oldest son Jonathan one of his IMs number his second IM is I am really nice to everyone he used to be kind of grouchy with people and like testy almost. And ever since he's been saying that, like as it's settled in, he's literally like the nicest kid you've ever seen to everybody he meets. Um, and when they recognize that, they're like, whoa, this stuff actually works. Amazing. Yeah, this is, and it's not like it's miraculous, but it kind of is at the same time. It's whatever you envision, right? And I teach them that not only say the words, but feel the feelings of what it feels like. Like one of mine is, I'm the best there ever was and forever will be. That's not cocky. That's when I walk into a room, I want to show up as the very best I could possibly be. And so by telling myself that's possible, I show up that way. And when, when I show up that way, I accomplish extraordinary things. And then people go, man, you're, you're, you're amazing. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. How many of those statements do you have? <sighs> I have about 30. And they're amazing. It's like it's the first the first set starts with my state of mind, right? So my first one is I am JK, and who I am is far more real than anything outside of me. And what that means to me is I decide who I am, not the external world. If somebody else says you're ugly, I decide whether I'm ugly or not. And one of my AMs does not say JK is ugly, <laughs> right? So that 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 feedback would be rejected. Thank you and no. Right? Or if somebody says, you're a dick, and I'm like, I'm really nice to everyone, like my son says. No, I'm not, but thank you. Is there a place that I was a dick? Because I can find that. There are times when I'm a dick, for sure. Right? And so as I go through, the f most important thing to me is mindset. So one of my AMs in the early parts is, what I need is given to me precisely when I need it. So I'm utterly peaceful and trusting in the present moment. Just try that on. Feel that, right? No matter where I go, when things get hot and stressful, I just think, I just slow down and I think, 
What I need is given to me precisely when I need it. So I'm utterly peaceful and trusting in the present moment. And as I speak that, when I first said it, it sounded so far from true. Now I could tell you thousands of examples. Let me give you a, re a recent one. Last week, it's Wednesday, I get a phone call. It's from a local CEO who says, hey, we have our conference next week and I want you to keynote. Are you, are you available? And I kind of wasn't available, but I was at the same time because I made myself available. And what I realized is, he goes, you're gonna love this stage. If you need video or if you need photos, this will get, and I was thinking, I had just been having a conversation with my team about how I do all these amazing talks and I never get them recorded and I don't have any really good video or pictures of me on an amazing stage. So I literally am having that conversation earlier in the week and then out of the blue, a thousand person conference asked me to keynote and I get some unbelievable footage, unbelievable. And that kind of stuff happens to me everywhere. And guess what? It happens to everyone everywhere. They're just not looking for it. They're not recognizing it and they're not creating it into their space, right? Another one of mine is I am lighthearted and playful in all that I do. Another one is life is simple, fun, and easy, right? And so the first ones deal with my mindset. They deal with, with who I am going to be when things happen. Because as an entrepreneur, building a rocket ship of a company, it's easy for it to be the opposite, right? It's easy for it to be stressful and overwhelming and nerve wracking and all the things that your entrepreneurs say. I reject that. What I need is given to me precisely when I need it. And life is simple, fun, and easy. And so no matter what comes at me, my decision, and I'm not perfect at it, but I'm pretty darn good at it because it's practice. It's like, it's like working out, it's like building a muscle. My muscle is a negative thought comes into my head, I reject it, compare it against my AMs, forgive my mind for thinking that negative thought, and recreate my new powerful thought. And if everybody did that, they would, they would accomplish things they never thought possible. But part of what makes that hard is people have to be willing to not be a victim, right? I take full ownership of everything that's right or wrong in my life. Like, if I don't take ownership of it, if I don't declare myself responsible for it, I can't do anything about it, right? Responsibility means I can actually do something. If I'm saying it's not my fault, I can't do anything about it. So what most people do is they spend their time claiming everything's not their fault and living in this vacuum of, you know, it's not my fault, it's not my problem, victimhood. And I wanna take full ownership, extreme ownership as that book is named of everything that occurs in my life. And I'm not perfect at it, but, I'm, but it's a journey I'm on, yeah. right? So how do you, how, how would you counsel, and I'm sure that you do, everybody that you work with, your, your family, those that are closest to you, how do they get started with this practice? Yeah, I think it's really simple. It's, it's sitting down in a quiet place and deciding what you want your life to look like and working backwards. It's a really cool book that's been around forever, Think and Grow Rich. And, and that guy talks about creating the life you want and visualizing it from the beginning. The only way you're gonna get there is by doing it. And so if you don't have a clear vision of what your future is and you're not living into that and creating it, you're never gonna get there. What did I just say? I'm gonna save 5,000 commercial real estate brokers from misery. Well, the only way that's gonna happen is by me first seeing that it's needed, seeing that it's possible, and declaring that into the universe, and people rally around it.
And that's how everything is, that's ever been accomplished has been created. Starts with the idea, translated into the speaking. Everything is created in speech. So by speaking it, it creates it into reality. Not speaking it, <coughs> excuse me, you lose it. It's kind of, kind of like a relationship. If you want your relationship to be a good relationship, speak the same way about that relationship as you did in the beginning when it was a good relationship. Like when you first meet that person and you're having conversations with them and they're like, you're like, to, to having a beer with your friends, you're like, oh my gosh, this girl is unbelievable. She's beautiful, she's smart. This one might be the one, this might be marriage material. And then you get 10 years into your relationship, you're like, all she does is gripe at me. <laughs> she's put on a couple pounds. Oh, geez. God, I just wish I could be, right? All in the speaking. That's how she shows up for you because you create it that way. All you have to do is keep saying the same things you said at the beginning. It'll be amazing how much that stays consistent. And it's that, that is true with anything, with a relationship, with your body, with your mind, with the world around you. Two people open their eyes and see the same thing. Ooh, I'm gonna tell you one of my AMs. It's probably my favorite. Should I let it out into the universe for everybody? Let's have it. So this is my favorite one. I came up with this on the spin bike, by the way. <laughs> I, was on this, I was on the bike, and I had this kind of weird sense of like going forward in time. And I imagined myself as a 90-year-old man. And I thought, what would I, as a 90-year-old man, give to be 45 again. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not even 45 yet, because by the way, I always tell people I'm one year older than I am so that when I actually become that age, it doesn't feel traumatic. So I'm actually 44, but I tell everybody I'm 45. So what would a 90-year-old JK do to be 45 again? Anything. And what would the 90-year-old JK view JK's 45-year-old problems? I'm so stressed out. He'd laugh delight and glee to be able to tackle them, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's that mindset of this, this awareness that we only have one life, man. We're, 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 this isn't the, the warm-up. This is your life. Are you gonna maximize it or not? Are you gonna be a victim? Or are you gonna live into something powerful? And I wanna live into something powerful. So the other part of that is you can't punish mistakes. Guess who you wanna punish most for mistakes? Yourself. Mm -hmm. So you gotta be gentle with yourself. You can't force grow a rose. It grows at its own pace. Don't pour cement on flowers. Most of us pour cement on flowers. We're the flower, and we pour all this negative self-talk on ourselves. It's like, I want to have huge impact on the world. Why? Because it's possible. Because I breathe air, just like you. And I choose to do something big. And there's no justification required. It's your life. You get to make a decision. But to do those things requires doing things that most people aren't willing to do. That most people would say are crazy. Most people don't want to hire a coach. They don't want to waste their, waste their time reading those books. They don't want to go to a nine-day meditation summit. They don't want to have people criticize them and actually listen to it and figure out where they're right and make changes. They don't want to go be scared and go step on a stage and do something big. 
They don't want to be in a room where they may fail. It's like, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. It's part of the game. And if you're not, you're not playing big enough. And I want to play big. I love it. <laughs> I want to play big too. Well, Jonathan, you just gave us a ton of awesome tips, but do you have one difference-making tip you want to share? Yeah, I think, I think what it all boils down to, for me, is why I've written the book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, why I have a company built on selfless service, is that the real key to experiencing joy, fulfillment, and radical, radical success in your life is truly being selfless and helping other people. And part of where I think the disconnect is, is people don't know how to do that. They get it conceptually. Okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be nice to people and do the right thing and help people. But they don't know how to do that and be successful. So I wrote the book to teach people how to do it. And what we're living in Kaiser every day is proving that even in one of the, arguably the most ruthless industry in the world, you can actually have success by helping others, by doing the right thing, by taking care of people. What a concept. And so what I've put in the book is, here's how we did it. Here's how you can do it. Join us, right? And so that's, that's the point of it all is, the more I lose myself in service to other people, the happier I get, the more successful I get. The more I focus on me, the more miserable I get. And my success is, is more temporary because it's based upon more instant gratification type of wins versus long-term sustainable success. And so I believe that selfless service is the greatest business principle of all time. And on my gravestone, I want that to be the quote. Selfless service is the greatest business principle of all time. I, I truly believe in my heart that it is. It's, it's to my very core. Every religion, every philosophy, every great leader, They've all said it across time. And yet somehow we still don't live it in business where we spend most of our time. Hmm. And it blows my mind. And yet we all kind of know it works because it works at home. Where it matters the most, we do it. And then we think that we somehow have to get into business and fight, fight, fight. And I call that insane. So I want others to join me in this movement of changing the business world through selfless service. Improving, like the title of my book, that you don't have to be ruthless to win. Like, that is great stuff. Do you want to give them a come on? What's a come on? Come on. Come on. Come on. I love it. <laughs> Jonathan Kaiser. Jonathan is the author of You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. It is, I'm sure, still on the top of the charts in the Wall Street Journal, Amazon bestseller. Um, I, I will link to where you can get a copy of that book in the notes of the show. You can find Jonathan at Kaiserco, K-E-Y-S-E-R-C-O.com. You know what's even cooler? I just bought Kaiser.com. Kaiser.com. K-E-Y-S-E-R. Where else can people find you? Ruthlessbook.com. And if anybody's interested, you know, if I like to speak to executives who are in positions who can change the cultures of the organizations they're in. So if anybody is also interested in having me speak, uh, let me know ruthlessbook.com excellent well Savage Nation if you enjoyed this as much as I did show Jonathan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas 
and I think anybody can benefit from listening to this. Um, so go to kaiserco.com, go to kaiser.com, go to ruthlessbook.com, and I will list again all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out and go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.